1: Welcome to the Untold Story podcast, everybody. this is Martha McCallum. And I'm really glad to be joined today by my friend Guy Benson, who is radio Fox extraordinaire and one of the most desired hosts on every one of our shows and has his own podcast. And it's just an amazing friend and, a, and an amazing thinker. I was watching you on the panel the other night with Brett and uh, you were reacting to some of the new entrants in the GOP side of this presidential race guy and and I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on that because I I'm watching this group expand and then we've got this potential Trump indictment possibly I mean nobody really knows for sure coming this week. So as as you sit here today, how do you look at this race?
0: Well, I still look at this race the same way as I did before the week started. And I know that Chris Christie's gotten in, Mike Pence has gotten in, there might be a few more stragglers, but until we see any evidence otherwise this is effectively a two-man race. It's Donald Trump in the driver's seat in first place by a large margin, although that margin is shrinking in a number of places based on some of the polling that I'm seeing and I've been privy to. And then Ron DeSantis is that top challenger to him, which is why basically all of the attacks, he'll throw some red meat out going after Christie on his weight or what have you. But every attack against someone else, Team Trump ties to and tries to tie in to Ron DeSantis and they've been just hammer and tongs going after him for months for good reason. They can read the polls like anyone else. They can read their internal polls and show that at least in their mind, uh, the demonstration of the data is that right now it's going to be either Trump or DeSantis unless someone else catches fire. And. You know, I'm not going to sit here with any sort of crystal ball and say that's impossible. And we have been surprised so many times in politics that I think it's foolish to make any totally definitive statements about that. But at least as of now, and I know a lot of these people just got in. So you got to give a couple of weeks to see them get their sea legs and, and see if there's any sort of, you know, impact or reverberation of them entering the race. But, you know, Nikki Haley, for example, someone who I like and admire, did a great job as governor and a good job as ambassador and all of that. She's been in this race since February and has barely budged at all. The numbers haven't moved. The needle hasn't moved. Unless the needle spikes for someone in the coming weeks, maybe months, in a way that we're not expecting, my overall read of the race, as I said, remains the same. It'll be Trump or DeSantis, and we'll see if DeSantis can close the gap. I'm open to being wrong. I'm not throwing shade at anyone. But that's just my analytical look at it now.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if, as is usually the case, people don't really pay a whole lot of attention to this. You know, we get really into it. We're about 17 months out at this point. We have the first debate in August, and that'll be the first chance for people to take a look at all these Republican candidates and see what they think and how they measure up. And I wonder, I mean, obviously, Trump is in the lead position. He's a former president of the United States. He has enormous name recognition and hundreds of millions of people who who voted for him. So it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where he wasn't dominant at this juncture, even given everything that has gone under the bridge. It's just sort of that's where it stands, I think, because it's very unprecedented to be in a situation where you have a former president and then you have this sort of interim period and he's running again. And I think that it's something that, you know, really merits a lot of attention because I think that's what's ingrained in a lot of these numbers. So the question is, is there a catalyst? Is there something that changes that? And is it, you know, I'm watching, you know, the other channels. I've got these TVs all up in my office right now. And I feel like I'm in hitting rerun because once again, it's like, oh, he's going to jail, going to be indicted. This is uh-huh. the moment. This is the time. And I think people have heard that so many times. Do you think it's different this time in any either in the reality or in people's reaction to it potentially?
0: Well, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it's different this time because people say that every time and then it's not necessarily so different. Uh, but your first point is very well taken. I mean, we are more than half a year away from the Iowa caucuses. That is An eternity. That is forever. I mean, there's so much that can change month after month after month. And we're two and a half months away from the first debate. Right. That's also a very long time. Now, whether Donald Trump will even participate in that or any of the debates, that's an open question. He's sort of hinted or flirted with this idea that he might not. I think a lot of what the Trump people are trying to create is this air of inevitability around Trump, like resistance is futile. Don't even bother it's going to be trump and so he's not really campaigning very hard he's held one campaign rally this entire year so far he's spending a lot of his time at mar-a-lago just hanging out do whatever he wants you know putting out truth social posts and what have you and he's got a a, you know sizable double-digit lead as a result so if that doesn't budge if, if that doesn't really start to shift in any sort of significant way there might be at least a political case for them to say, we're just going to keep treating our candidate, our campaign like an incumbent, like Biden is basically treating RFK Jr. And, you know, Marianne Williamson, it's not really real. We're we're going to be the nominee. And so we're not going to participate in any of this stuff. That is, I think, the position that they want to be in by the end of the summer and beyond. Whether they actually are uh, is something that we don't know yet. Uh, We've seen, again, as I said, some double-digit movement in certain polls in Iowa, for example, with DeSantis gaining in a significant way. Uh, Part of the danger is if a lot of your campaign is about inevitability and about big polling leads, if the big polling leads start to shrivel or even disappear at some point, and if the inevitability doesn't feel remotely inevitable anymore, then there's a, a lot of your whole strategy kind of that's expired and is out the window and how they would potentially adjust to that uh, I don't know we they might have to right that might not be something that they end up being confronted with and part of the reason for that to your second point and question Martha is you know this this potential federal indictment coming you know in, in a sort of normal sane world you would say oh here is potentially a second indictment against a presidential candidate That's got to be curtains for whoever that person is. Like, if you just went back 10 years and or you woke up from a coma, having not paid any attention for the last decade of our politics, and you said, hey, there's a presidential candidate who's now indicted for the second time. What do you think? You would probably be pretty, pretty safe in your assumption that that person's campaign is game over. But obviously, that's not the case. The first indictment in New York was seen by a lot of people as purely political, including myself. And folks know if they follow my work, I'm not a big Trump fan. Uh, but, you know, I could see with my own eyes what this was. And it just reeked of politics. And I defended him on that front uh, on on this potential indictment. And again, it's it's very much potential at this time, although Trump's making noises like he thinks it's coming. Um, if it comes down the pike, I would be open, Martha, to this idea that he did something wrong or did something illegal and then obstructed justice, I think. Based on some of what we know already from the Mar-a-Lago raid and, and various other tidbits that have leaked out from this, uh, there's, I-, I think, a pretty strong case. And I've spoken with legal experts, Andy McCarthy and others, saying, no, this is, this is a serious and potentially very strong case against Donald Trump. I am totally open to that on the merits, but these things also don't happen in a vacuum. Set aside the, the Biden problems with classified documents, the Hillary Clinton example to me is more salient. Hillary Clinton badly abused national security secrets and classified material. She set up a whole bootleg, unlawful system to bypass the rules. She lied about it. She destroyed evidence. I mean, it was about as bad as you can get on this front. And she was famously not charged. So while I think they might have at least in a vacuum, Trump conceivably dead to rights on some of this stuff, when you go back and you look at how they treated Hillary, There will be a lot of people, including people like me, who would say, well, what the hell? Like, are there rules that apply to everyone on both sides or are there not? And if the answer is there or not, you're going to have a lot of very angry people. Thus, you might see another example of an indictment against a presidential candidate helping that candidate, at least in the short term among the base, uh, among the party faithful.
1: The Untold Story continues right after this.
0: The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
1: Yeah, and the sad thing about that to me is that, you know, I just interviewed Bill Barr, and we talked a little bit about this, and he's just, you know, I mean, he has... I think he calls things very fairly and he too. has said things he disagreed with, uh, President Trump. And then he says, look, you know, there was clearly spying going on and that there was no foundation for Crossfire Hurricane. And he's looking at this and saying there is an obstruction case. He expects that that is what it would be because of exactly what happened in the machinations of, you know, we need the documents back and whether or not there were things that were clearly obstructing them from getting what was legally theirs. OK. But what's sad about what you're saying and what I think is true, unfortunately, is that everyone now seems to feel that all these things have a political bent to them. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone did something wrong. What matters is whether or not the government is out to get them or the DOJ is out to get them or politically it helps or hurts that person. Or why does it take four and a half, five years to investigate Hunter Biden? Well, maybe it's a complicated case. I mean, this, these are supposed to be the best minds in the country working at the Department of Justice. They can't figure out something in four and a half or five years. No
0: one, no one buys that, right? Like that's an insult. And and
1: so that's what's so sad because we, we have a system that people don't trust anymore. And so no matter what happens with this Trump case, you're going to have people who think that, um, that it's unfair and that they've been out to get him since day one. And the simple act of, you know, Lady Justice, who's blind, and you broke the law, and you didn't break the law, whether your name is Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or you know Guy Benson or Martha McCallum, but it 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 feels that we we just now live in a in a country where nobody believes that that these things are blind, and I think no, that's really really sad.
0: The blindfold is off, and uh, she's like a partisan activist trying to figure out which person she wants to uh, nail. That that's how it feels some of the time, and the the yeah. two tier thing. Except, Except when
1: it's for regular people. Who, that's that's who exactly. Dealt, you
0: know, exactly That was my next point. The two tier thing works two ways. The first way is the one that you just said. If an average person, some military officer did exactly what Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or Donald Trump did when it comes to classified materials. And I think that Biden's stuff is serious. And I think a big problem, and potentially criminal. I think it is a few notches down in terms of seriousness than what we saw from Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, which are somewhat similar. Maybe Hillary is a little bit worse. You can argue about that. I'm open to that. But if you had just a military enlisted person who did anything close to what any of those three did, they would be in the brig. They would be in jail. And everyone knows that. So there's the, there's the tier for elite people just breaking rules that they don't want to comply with that would never be allowed for non-elites. That is extremely frustrating. And then there's this more partisan one, which is, okay, if we're talking about political elites doing bad things and potentially illegal things, evidently, if you have a D next to your name and you're valuable to the party and you're running for president and are likely to be the nominee, they're going to go easy on you uh, and they're not going to charge you with certain things. But if you're Donald Trump with an R next to your name and then his whole history, they're going to find a way to indict him for that. I mean, that is the type of unfairness that will drive people crazy, even if they're willing to concede that right. Trump might very well be guilty of things that are very bad. You know, that's sort of where my headspace is. None of that feels healthy for the country, Martha.
1: No, it, re- it really doesn't. And um, it's hard to imagine a situation where people you know, are going to feel okay with. I heard Mike Pence today say it would be wrong to indict him at this point because he's running for president and it's going to just be more divisive to the country. And, you know, then you get that in the mix of all of these questions about timing and elections and, you know, whether or not it's okay to pursue people while they're and it just I think I think in a lot of ways it might make if if there is a catalyst in all of that, it might make people sort of seek you know, a younger, new generation of people, you know, and I'm I'm looking at, you know, it's interesting to see what's going on on the Democrat side, too. Before we close, I want to ask you a quick question about the Dem side. Do you think that Joe Biden will ultimately be the nominee? Because I hear a lot of people just anecdotally saying lately that they wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end up running. What do you think?
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end up running, but he is the incumbent president. And so long as he wants to and intends to run for reelection, it's awfully hard. I've been saying this on the air now for months, awfully hard to uproot him. He's an announced candidate, hasn't been doing much in fairness, hasn't been really campaigning well, think at he doesn't all. I
1: feel like he has to be. You know, he just got a, a hour long news conference with the U.K. prime minister. You know, I think he feels like I just all I have to do is do my job.
0: Yep. Do the job and, and be yep. sort of out of sight, out of mind as much as possible, actually. Let the Republicans suck up the attention and the oxygen and then, you know, kill each other and try to do the best version of the 2020 basement campaign as he possibly can uh, in 2024. I think that's what they want to do. And that will be, for the most part, their strategy, I think. Uh, You know, they'll they'll check some basic boxes. He won't be completely gone, but he'll do certain things, but not a whole lot. Uh, That's, I think, the plan if he runs. I will say, that I've been watching the histrionics and the attention-seeking efforts by the governor of California recently. Yeah, uh, where he's like, Very you know, going to red states and being like, "Oh, well, I'm going to the belly of the beast, and I'm going to attack Ron DeSantis in his own state, and I'm going on Hannity next week, and I'll That's I'll right. do all the things, belly of the beast, whatever, whatever." He's, you know, he's got a new uh, constitutional amendment he's talking about uh, on on guns and the Second Amendment. He's threatening right. kidnapping charges against Ron DeSantis. He wants attention. And this absolutely. is not just by accident. This isn't a coincidence. I think he is absolutely running
1: I think a right. shadow He's presidential
0: campaign yeah. in case Biden yeah. is out for whatever reason.
1: I, I think you're 100 percent right. Um, Guy Benson, as usual, I think you're 100 percent right. And. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's always good to see you. Thanks for stopping by the Untold Story today. And we look forward to seeing you soon.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Martha.
1: You've been listening to the Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.